Welcome to Fuck Your Disorder. My name is Amanda Hess. I am a certified life coach. And when I decided to ditch my disorder and love myself instead, I finally started enjoying my life. It turns out love fixes a lot more problems than hate. You can't hate yourself better because the truth is you are already perfect. Ready. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that you are here today. I have a special guest. She is a friend and a colleague. Her name is Sheila Nova Cornelio. I think I said that right this time. She is the self-confident relationship coach. And I had the privilege of getting to know Sheila Nova through a coaching program that I think we were in together. And that's how we connected. And then I started following her on Instagram and just kind of fell in love with what she was sharing, with what she was doing. I could really see the alignment between the clients and the work that she did along with the clients and the work that I have. So first of all, Sheila Nova, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I think actually the first time I actually reached out to you because you changed your niche and who you wanted to really work with, you know, women who had been diagnosed with some kind of disorder. And I was just like, I remember I saw you in a thread talking about this and I was like, fuck yes, let's go. Am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> yes, please do. My my podcast is called, you know, <laughs> fuck your disorder. So <laughs> And um, I just, I think I remember reaching out to you being like, yes, I love what you're doing and keep doing this. We need more of this in the world. We need more people and voices talking about what you're talking about. Yeah. Because there are so many women who are suffering and making their, just, you know, what they were diagnosed with means something so terrible. Yeah. So I love how you phrase that women that are suffering. I agree. I think there's a lot of us. And I think that I can identify and probably you might be able to too with that suffering. And you probably see that a lot in your clients. So maybe you can speak to a little bit about what you do and how you help people. Yeah. So I really work with women who have a ton of dating or relationship anxiety. We're talking about you're obsessing over what a guy is texting you or not texting you, you know, really just despairing if someone has ghosted you, you're chasing unavailable men or men who seem to want a relationship but not want to commit with you. The passion's really high but like the commitment isn't there and really just struggling with internalizing everything, taking it personally, you know, and so I really work with women to develop the self-confidence so that they can go out there and basically face rejection with a lot more ease or be able to have conversations where they are communicating their needs in a place where they can get them met or it is going to align with the relationship they want um, so that they can basically approach their dating and the relationships trusting in themselves, putting those boundaries up and having a lot more confidence. I think that's so amazing that you work on that with women. I think that obviously it's mirrored in lots of areas of our life. Like we were just talking about it before we hit record, how I see um, the parallels when it comes to being an entrepreneur, like myself building my business. And I think I've seen it as well. You know, for me, it's something that comes up in friendship because of my past trauma and my past history and having been like severely bullied that it's, 
it's it's always fascinating to me how it's never, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum, but we do get sort of identified with this one area of our life that isn't working and we do become really obsessive about it. Um, when you are working with clients and you see that's happening, I guess I'm curious what your thoughts are about that and then your process around it. That's a big question though. <laughs> I th- well, So it really always boils down to either whether it's in your case as an entrepreneur or whether it's a woman, she's obsessing over a guy. It all boils down to a lack of worthiness belief system. And Mm -hmm. there is actually, a lot of people like to call this the worthiness wound. I don't like to label it like that because I think that we all have this to some aspect. The way that the human brain evolved was to constantly scan for threat. And our human ancestors were constantly scanning for life or death threats, right? And then in the modern world, the human brain still scanned for threats, but because no life and death threats were available anymore, well, they're usually not, that started to scan for abstract threats. And abstract threats don't actually exist, but they feel very real to us. And they look like, I'm not worthy until somebody marries me or chooses me. I'm not lovable until, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm not lovable or worthy until I have a million dollar business. Um, I am not deserving or there I'm deficient in something unless X, Y, Z happens. And our brain just started making up these abstract threats because it needed to scan the environment for something, even though these things don't actually exist. But when we believe that they do exist, they play out in unwanted behaviors. So if we can start to clean up our belief system, or even our relationship to these abstract fears or these abstract belief systems, we will actually change our behaviors and we will actually create the kind of relationship dynamics that we want. Yeah. So true. I mean, I do think that, well, a couple of things that you said that are so, so true is that our brain, I was thinking about this while you're speaking. Our brain is always scanning for a problem. Like if you think it's just got that radar, it's like got that out, it's scanning back and forth. And then if it can't find any big things, right? Oh, there's no bears chasing you. <laughs> like your life's not in danger. Then it doesn't, it's like, oh, okay, great. I don't need to look for that because that's not there. So then I'm going to get a bit more detailed. Like, oh, well, you haven't been on a date in a month or, you know, the last three guys you dated were not great guys. So that's a problem. So we're going to focus there. And it is so interesting how then the problem goes inward in that it's not, it's, well, it's either two things that we tend to think when something like that happens, there's no good guys out there. That's one. And there's something wrong with you for attracting these losers or whatever it could be, right? I mean, those tend to be the two things that we think instead of actually, this just isn't even a problem. It's just the last three guys you dated were not a good fit. And so let's go figure out what the good fit is and what do you want in a relationship and how do we get in front of those people and meet those people and get to know those people and and look at it from a constructive place of this is what we're going to go out in the world and create. and. I do think it's interesting, right? Our society doesn't really set us up to think that that's how we can run our life. Would you agree? I do. And I think it's also like 
the first step of doing that work is about changing your relationship to the current abstract belief. So usually we call this like some negative belief or negative thought pattern, right? It could be like, I'm not worthy until a man chooses me. I'm not valuable until I lose 30 pounds. I'm not X, Y, Z. I'm deficient until, you know, I'm married or something like this. But if you can actually just start to see those as something that the brain likes to do and is not the truth of you, that even that thought pattern could arise and it could still happen to you. But if you're looking at it from a distance, you're not as affected by it. And I'll give you an example of where I do this in my own life. It just happened on this podcast right now, this recording. So when I, when I introduced myself and I started talking to you and started telling you, you asked me this question, you're like, that's a big question. I, and I started talking about the primitive brain. You, I was looking at your face while I was talking about this and immediately, like I said, my brain is scanning for threats all the time, abstract threats. It saw your face and because you weren't smiling, my brain, there was a part of me that said, oh, you said something wrong. She doesn't want to go this route. <laughs> but I could be, because I have this relationship with my brain now where I'm like, that is a, that is a, like, my brain is just trying to perceive threat at any time and yeah. never wants to be judged and never wants. It's probably, that's probably not that accurate. It's so not so, accurate. So interesting though, right? So that's what I'm saying. So I could keep continue talking on point and feel confident in my words and feel that even though there was a part of my brain that went, oh shit, she didn't want to go this route. She's, you shouldn't be talking about this. She didn't want to talk about the primitive brain. She wanted to talk about something else. And even though that actually did inside me affect this, like it, it created some kind of what you might describe as an insecurity. I just, my thought about that thought is, my brain is confused. It's a lie that my brain likes to tell. It's trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. And because I've done this so many times, I can still have this, I can still make my point and it not like derail me. So that's what I'm saying wow. about changing your relationship to those abstract threats. And then do like what you're saying, like, wait a second. If this abstract threat, if this thought isn't true, if this thought is maybe a lie, if maybe it's not even about me at all, maybe I just, my journey was going on 30 dates before I made the guy that I'm supposed to be with, right? Maybe this has nothing to do about with my intrinsic worth. I think that's a really good point. And I love that you bring it back to, I think, finding the humanity in it. I do think sometimes that we listen to podcasts and we read books and we watch documentaries and all the things. And we see these people talking about how you can have intrinsic self-worth and that you know, these voices are not the truth about you. And I think sometimes we think that that means that that voice never shows up. And I really love the point you made, which is that that voice always shows up. (laughs) Always. Some kind of flavor. And I'll tell you this. I think I'm one of the most like confident and secure people that I know. And I did not, I used to be like the opposite of that. I used to, I used to have a false sense of self-confidence or false sense of confidence that was to, covered up my insecurity. But, and I really do think that my brain now has a ton of very positive beliefs about myself Mm -hmm. and really high quality beliefs about my self-worth and all of that. 
But I just, an hour before this recording, I actually stumbled like upon another layer of my my onion self. I like peeled it back and realized that there, I did have this small belief in me that I was not, I was a little bit less worthy in my 20s because I had lack of follow through. And I was like, wow, that is so interesting that that was like occurred to me. And so I did some thought work around it today. So yeah, it, like it still likes to pop up in some flavor, but your relationship to your brain doing that is what I think is the most important. Yes. My yes. dominant thought now when my brain goes, oh my God, there's something wrong with you. You just said something wrong. You said something wrong. Why are you doing that? It goes, my brain is confused. It's trying to protect me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I love you and I, I get what you're doing and it's okay. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so true. And I do think of it for me. I mean, I think of it as the, I, I do think we have a relationship with our brain. So it's actually, I have a new group program that I'm running and literally the first module was how to create a healthy relationship with your brain because we do have a relationship with it. And it is a journey, right? It's a path that we're on. It's a path we choose to walk. And sometimes you start walking and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not really going the direction I want to go. And the beautiful part of that is you can always just choose to take another path. When you look at the women that you're working with and they come to you and they are sort of in that spot, right? Where they have been dating and it feels like it's not working and they've had relationships with unavailable men and they recognize that pattern, but it almost seems unbreakable. How do you address that? Like, where do you start? We really start on that core belief system thought. So one of the ways that I like to get to the core belief system, and typically it does have a lot to do with worthiness or lovability, is you take whatever circumstance like you have in your life. Like he didn't date me or he didn't want to call me his girlfriend or he didn't want to commit to me or he didn't want the kind of relationship I want. And then I, you, you ask yourself, what does that mean about me three times over? At least three times. So... What that means, if so, the first th answer might be, well, what that means about me is, you know, I'm my time is running out to have kids because I'm 38 now. And it's like, okay, if that is true, then what does that mean about me? Well, then that means I'm never going to find somebody or I'll have to settle. Right. means I'll have to settle. Okay, well, if that's true, then what does that mean? Well, I'm just going to be miserable for the rest of my life. If that's true, what does that mean? You know, mean about me? It means that there's something intrinsically wrong with me. We want to like get to that core belief. We want to start there. What is yeah. it that you're latching onto? What is the abstract fear that you're latching onto that you think is reality? And really debunking that in the beginning. I love and that. I my clients, because one of, one of the things that I see a lot in the relationship, like dating coaching world is a client or anyone will present with like, what if he does this or X, Y, and Z? And like the coach will be like, run, do not ever talk to them again. And even though a lot of us can be like, yeah, I get it. I get why you would want to run from the situation. If you don't do the belief work that is perpetuating the situation, it will show up in the next relationship. So when my clients come to me, I actually just experienced this recently. One of my clients, she's like been talking to this man 
right before we started working together for like six months, hours a day. Talks to him hours a day. They have very intimate conversations, but they've only seen each other in real life like twice. And so he's been very clear, like, I'm, you know, work is in the way. I can't really have the relationship that I want, blah, 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 blah. All these like excuses that typically avoidantly attached men give. And I could be like, girl, he isn't, this is not the relationship for you. And in some cases I will state that, but I do not say things like you need to stop talking to him immediately. So what we did is I was like, talk to him all you want. I don't care. It was like, we're just going to work on this belief system you have that you're not deserving of the relationship that you want because you're not worthy of it because that was her belief. Mm-hmm. We started working on that belief. I would say about six weeks in, she started t- she started contacting me. She was like, oh my God. She's like, I was able to have this conversation with him that I've been wanting to have for six months and like really communicate what I'm really looking for. She's like, and I didn't even feel nervous about the whole thing. I was like, that's where the magic starts to happen because your belief changed. So now her whole relationship with this person has changed now. Yeah, She's like not waiting around on him anymore. She's not pining after him. She's like, well, I want to go date now. I want to like go actually go on dates with people who like her you know, want to come home with me and like have a relationship with me. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's so valid. I, and you know, so, so good to look at because we do tend to, I mean, I get this a lot, especially when a client is new and I'm sure you do too. Well, what do I do though? Like, what do you think I should do? And my answer is always like, I don't know what you should do. I have no idea. But my question more so is, why don't you think you know what to do and what's getting in the way of that? Like, why don't you no. Or what's what's the problem with just making a decision or just going with your gut? I think part of it too, right? It has to be self-trust, you know, trusting yourself to be able to make a decision that's right for you. Um, and what I do see with a lot of my clients, and I'm sure you do with yours as well, is the erosion of that self-trust over time. Do you notice that? Do you see that? Yeah, there's a huge lack of self-trust that comes in. And one of the things that before we started recording this, you had asked like, you know, what really gets in the way of like finding a relationship that you want or like doing the things that you want to do in a relationship. And I wrote that down and I said, it was trying to figure out the how, basically trying to figure out what you should say, what you should do when you are caught up in the action, what is in the action of like trying to manipulate anything that comes out of your mouth or manipulate your actions, what you're actually trying to do is you are trying to escape a negative emotion that you're currently experiencing because of a thought you're thinking, because of an abstract fear that you're believing. This means something bad about me. This means I'm not lovable. This means I'm not worthy. If he doesn't actually want to commit to me, this means I'm not ever going to be able to have the relationship. This is the last person. But So when you're caught up in the should, what should I do? What should I say? Where should I go? How should I handle this? How should I approach this? It's because you have a reactive relationship to your negative emotions. And when you change your relationship to your negative emotions and they no longer become a problem and you change your belief system, what what you should do will seem very obvious for you, not to somebody else, but for you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the key. And I, I totally 
see what you're saying and I can see how anybody listening, it would be impactful to hear that, um, you know, that whole idea of being reactive or avoidant of negative emotion. I think it's confusing. Um, I do, you know, I talk about on, on this podcast a ton, but when you think about building capacity for negative emotion, maybe you can just speak to how you teach that and what your sort of concept is around it. Well, I'm sure that we have very similar teachings on this, um, allowing to feel the feeling. So basically an emotion is some kind of physical vibration in your body. It's a tightness in your chest. It's a fluttering in your stomach. It's a tingling. It's a hot or a cold feeling. It's a feeling of a ball at the bottom of your throat. Um, that is what a emotion actually is. And when you can shift your awareness and place it on the literal physical vibration of it without any thoughts present, and you can do that for a couple of seconds at a time, your brain starts to realize that nothing has gone wrong. One of the other ways that I get my clients to do this is ask themselves, what's happening in my body right now without my thoughts? A great question that's via Byron Katie is with other than what I'm thinking and believing, am I okay? And to notice the answer to that question with your awareness, not to answer it verbally. Grounding your awareness, people call it grounding your awareness in the physical space, but literally putting your awareness on physical objects outside of you or within your body while you are experiencing a vibration allows your brain to recognize that you are okay. That is something that I think takes at least 100 repetitions to actually (laughs) understand what the hell you're doing. Because I remember the first time I ever did that. And it was like when I was doing this work on myself, I was learning. I was basically practicing all the work of Eckhart Tolle. And I think he kept saying like, what's happening in this moment without the mental movie? And I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? (laughs) It was like... It was the mental movie of my mind. All I knew was how to disassociate. Like I didn't even know what present moment even meant. Yeah. And I remember the first time I ever tapped into it, I was like, whoa, like th- what? I was like, nothing. I'm actually okay. And it wasn't like, I had that, ex- I had the visceral experience of that, not the intellectual understanding of it. That's such a good statement. And so I think the truth of it, right? Um I know that when I start doing allowing work with my clients, a lot of times they'll say to me, it's just so funny because you work with enough people and you start getting the same feedback, right? And it was like, okay, well, I found the feeling. Now what? (laughs) Yeah. And I think, and I don't know about you, but some, some of my clients will spend the entire coaching session doing a guided body exercise Mm -hmm. to where they're following the emotion in their body. And one thing that I've been doing recently is not just putting your awareness on the vibration in your body without the thoughts, but then also using thoughts and imagination to communicate with the vibration. So one thing that I love to do with myself and with my clients is you you bring your awareness to the anxiety, to the anxiousness that you feel in your chest, in your throat, in your stomach. 
And then you imagine that you and that vibration are looking at each other. And then you look at it and you say, it's safe for you to be here now. Mm, I love it. Now, typically what I find when people do this is they burst into tears. Yeah. Because it's the first time that they've ever actually like met themselves while they are feeling the feeling that they so want to get rid of with love. And what I want to offer is if you're listening to this and you're going to do it, do not actually hold back those tears. Do not try to mute it or suppress it. Like let it come out because when it does, you will have this experience of like processing that emotion. Yeah. I do think there's that moment where you just relax and that letting go is so cathartic. And yet, we're so afraid of letting go. I think that one of the biggest things that I see in my clients, when I see that there's that real holdback of not wanting to just let go, relax into the feeling, allow process, is a fear that if they do that, that they won't be able to pick themselves up off of the floor after they do, right? Right. Like if I go to that dark place, I'll be there forever and I'll never be able to get back out. Right. Yeah. It's so yeah. interesting because every that is not a unique fear it's like everyone has that fear but then when you go to it so many times you realize that never happens like that on the other side of that is always like more peace more clarity more feeling of worthiness more in tune more trusting of yourself i especially think in a coaching relationship it can be so great because i think that is one of the beauties of coaching is having somebody see you and see see you in a way that you can't see yourself, even just in relation to having the capacity to let go of that emotion and let it just flow through your body and them knowing, your coach knowing that you are 100% going to be okay. Yes, totally. And I think having someone like, like a coach in this capacity just be a person who is completely and totally accepting of where you are right now and is not in a hurry or a rush to try to quote unquote fix things. Mm -hmm. I think can be really powerful for you to see that. I had one, I had one, my client tell me, she was like, I just loved how week after week I could show up and I could be a hot mess. And you're like, okay. Like, like it was just like no big deal to you. It was just like, and she was like, that was so healing to see how it was just no big deal. It was not a problem. And she was like, and because of that, I've looked at my own negative emotions in a different way. I don't make myself become someone bad for them. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of parallels in what you do and what I do. And that, you know, a big part of it is releasing the judgment, the negative judgment that you have on yourself for being you you know, yeah. for liking what you like, for your brain working the way your brain works, for being insecure in a relationship sometimes and showing up sometimes with actions that you know are maybe not the ones that you would purposefully choose, but not making yourself somehow, you know, unworthy because of that. Like you're still worthy of love, even if you don't show up perfectly to dating or a relationship or to whatever. And yeah, 
I do think like when I see clients or even friends or even myself looking back like years ago, really noticing that I had this idea and I still do sometimes. It doesn't show up with me in dating, obviously. I've just been married for 20 years, so I'm not dating anybody. Right. Um, but I definitely see it in friendship. I definitely see it in other places where I know that maybe I didn't show up as the friend that I wanted to be in that moment. And then thinking, well, then nobody's going to be my friend. Like having that very black or white thinking about that versus finding the humanity in yourself. Like, of course, I'm a human being. So sometimes I'm insecure and sometimes that insecurity comes out and it's, it's okay. It's not a problem. Yeah. Outrageous self-confidence is about radical self-love and acceptance of your insecurities. That is how you develop outrageous self-confidence is through the acceptance and like total love of you just as you are with your insecurity. It's not the lack of the insecurity. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's such a good way to put it. And I'm certain that that's probably a big part of the work that you do with your clients because acceptance of self doesn't mean that. I, I think it's a funny thing. It's almost this weird out there concept because it's like acceptance of your non acceptance. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Acceptance of your non acceptance. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, okay, okay, get it. Acceptance. I love it. Okay, acceptance of your non acceptance. Yeah, there was. Oh God, who said this? It was a really great quote. Maybe it was a uh, Corey Mascara. I'm probably saying his name wrong. He's like, if you can't love all of yourself, just start with the part of you that doesn't love all of you. I was like, what? That is so good. Yeah, that's the healing though, right? I mean, people will say, I this is one thing I somebody a coach another coach had written a just a quote that somebody had put out there and and this quote was about how people say that you have to be fully healed to be able to love fully. And they were saying that or no, it said that you have to have experienced love. You have to love yourself fully to be able to experience love for another person or be able to have that love. And this person was like, that's not 100% true. And they were just talking about that. But the reason why I bring it up is that I do think that I do think that, and I've seen this, I've, I've coached a few clients on dating, not like you, where you're like literally just coaching on that all of the time, is this idea that if you're in a great relationship, it's because you're a better person than me. Like, I really do think there's a little bit of that that goes on or a lot. Oh, like if you're, like, if you're in a relationship, it means that you're more healed than me. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I just look at my hot messness. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't identify that as being a bad or a good thing. I just notice sometimes the messiness of being you. Um, And there's a lot of messiness with me being me. And so I think for a long time, I used to identify that as a huge problem about me and the reason why. The reason why I didn't have the friends that I wanted to have, the reason why I didn't have the boyfriend back in the day, the reason why I was so unhappy all the time, the reason why everything just felt so jagged and hard inside of me. And now I'm still the same messy person. 
And I think that's just really important for anybody listening to know, like, I'm still super, super messy. I just had an argument with my husband that I know was born out of the fact that I'm really tired today. (laughs) So everything just feels a little jagged and I blew it out at him. Right. And I'm, I think about that so much differently than I used to. So I think, you know, when you look at people that you work with that are dating and that aren't in that relationship, I have the security of a 20 year old, 20 year relationship or longer because we dated. And so I can, I can really lean into just being myself and and finding that compassion for myself. And I also know that's how I heal my marriage, right? Because I started with life coaching in marriage coaching, um, like hi, hiring a marriage coach. But what do you think about that when it comes to dating? I mean, I'm curious, like for anybody listening that is dating that feels like, well, there's something wrong with me. There's something about me that doesn't attract right relationships. And then they even hear like, okay, well, I need to like, I need to heal my own self-worth. But sometimes I think that we think that there's still this extra step. I don't know if I'm making sense where it's, you know, yeah, I'll heal my own self-worth when I fix X about me. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? I think you're asking the question. It's like, I need to heal this before I can go on a date again or enter a relationship. I don't believe that. I think you can do it outside of relationships. I think you can do it inside relationships. It doesn't really matter. It matters that you're actually doing the work. And here's the other thing. You're never going to get to a point where you become this all cured. (laughs) I think we're like confusing healed with cured, like cured human, cured of the human experience, cured of any like healed of every kind of negative thought you've ever had and never going to ever feel any insecurity again. That is just not true. In fact, um, an hour, I think I said this before, an hour before this call, I was just doing my own work on where I had found this sort of unworthiness lie about myself. And yeah, you're just never going to reach that point. I say, do it without a relationship, do it in a relationship. There's been very, very, very few times in my client coaching relationship where I have recommended, hey, I want like before we get on the apps and we start swiping, let's do this work a little bit before. It's very, very rare if I say that. Yeah. But even in the end, I still don't think that I am 100% right about what the client should or shouldn't do. How would we know for real though? We don't, we don't know. And, and you can always do work on yourself inside a relationship, outside of a relationship. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. You, what was right for you will be determined by you, not a coach, not what your friend says. It is determined by you. Yeah. I mean, speak to this though, because I mean, I saw this, I have one client in mind who we worked on this and it's super interesting when we would work together, she would be out there meeting people, you know, talking to guys, putting herself in positions where she could be potentially like going on dates. Right. And, and just really getting out there and just being curious about the people that are out there and kind of looking for certain qualities in someone and seeing if you can connect with that quality and in another human. And then 
we would stop working together for a while and she would stop doing all of that. Right. And then she would come back. And I think that, you know, it's kind of noticing even, but there's a couple of things I'd love for you to touch on. First of all, just being in that place where I guess you can even put yourself out there and be willing to face the rejection. I think not just the rejection of another person, but even the rejection of yourself by yourself. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. In fact, when I did a lot of this work, because I used to be, I used to be the kind of person who would blow up a guy's phone like 700 times. <laughs> I would like freak out. Right. <laughs> and I had a huge fear of rejection. Like I just, and I just wanted to get to this point where I maybe could feel slightly neutral about it. Like, I just wanted to go out on one date, be really interested in the guy. And maybe by like the third date, he was like, eh, it's not for me. And I would just feel like, okay, that's all right. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I would like spiral. I would like totally convince him he was wrong. I was like, like, I would just pull out all the stops. Right. And what I ended up doing is I put myself in situations where I purposely knew I would be triggered, <laughs> where I purposely knew where I would feel like I was dying. But I only, I did that when I was willing to, to feel it and yeah. when I was willing yeah. to self-reflect. And it was in some sense excruciating. And by the way, when I did this work, I did not have a coach. I did not know what the fuck I was doing. I was... <laughs> was like, I was like just doing anything and like following any kind of guru's advice I could. But it was through all of those failures that I like learned the best possible solutions, the best methods, the best methods. But one thing that I did and I look back in hindsight, I'm like, that was actually a really great thing I did is I put myself in those situations where I knew I was going to be triggered. I actually would like purposely go out on some, some of the dates where I was like, I know this guy isn't interested in me, but all of a sudden I was interested in myself. I was like, what am I going to be thinking and feeling when he says this? Like, I was so interested in what was going on with me from a place of curiosity, not from a place of don't do this, don't do this or something wrong with you. Yeah. So yeah. I, well, yourself in those in those positions. I think if you're also if you're willing to work with someone and you have the tools to be able like this person you're talking about to be able to put yourself in these situations but you on some level have your own back even though you know you're going to be triggered, I think it can be actually very very healing in and of itself and very powerful. I 100% agree. I think, you know, one thing you touched on is is you can decide whether or not you're in a place where you can handle that, right? And, and and there's things you can do to ensure that you are able to get through that in a supportive way. Um, and and you're not wrong. I mean, I can't believe you did it without coaching. I'm not sure. I'm sure I must have, you know, back in the day, just thrown myself in all kinds of scenarios <laughs> that were crazy. But um now I do see for myself, I, I mean, I think this plays out in every part of your life too. So it's like, if you fix this in your dating life, if you start being able to attend this in your personal life, when it comes to dating men, what you'll notice is that it shows up in every single area of your life because you start being able to understand 
kind of where your edges are and where you can push them a little bit and also understand how to have your own back, how to coach yourself into it, how to take care of your nervous system beforehand, during and afterwards um, in a really holistic way. And then when you do that, the more that you do that for yourself, you just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And it becomes easier and easier. And you also get to have the many, many positive things that are on the other side of that. And there's a lot and they are amazing, especially when you do find that person that you really love dating, that is that connection. That's exactly what you were looking for. That is available to you if you're willing to do that work. Would you agree? Yes. And I also, would, whatever you want in a relationship, that is where the work, you can start doing the work with your, on yourself and with yourself. For example, if you want someone who is really vulnerable and communicates on a really intimate level or ha- is able to have difficult conversations, you be the person who is vulnerable and com- has difficult conversation and communicates at a really intimate level with yourself and with other people. And the more you create that for yourself, you will attract people in your life who embody those values as well. A lot of my clients who do this work, what a lot of them experience a change in friendships as well, or a change in workplace relationships, um, because they have changed so much as people, the people who they're dating are different. And also the people who they decide, I wouldn't say it's like they cut out friendships, but friendships typically do change. Yeah. I think there's a reinvention, right? right, That takes place. Yeah. Because I think about myself now, one of my clients was saying like this, one of my friends is being so passive aggressive. And I said this to her in a way I was like, this is not to say that there's something wrong with your friend or I have better friends. I just want to let you know, I actually, none of my friends are passive aggressive to me. And I want you to just curiously wonder why that is. And I'm, And I'm going to tell you, they used to be. I used to have friends. I used to be passive aggressive. It was just interesting because we heard I had this conversation. I was like, and it dawned on me when she actually told me that none of my, I was like, I was thinking about, I was like, actually, none of my friends are passive aggressive and they would never even put up with that shit. And because neither would I, because I don't put it up with myself. Mm -hmm. And she was, my client was really recognizing how, because she doesn't put up with passive aggressiveness in her anymore. Yeah. She's recognizing I don't want it in the friendship either. Yeah, I do agree. I I think that's such an amazing reflection of what goes on because it's true. I think sometimes when we're looking at the relationships that we have in our life, we look at it with judgment in that there's something wrong with me because I have all these friends that are passive aggressive or, you know, that are manipulative or that ghost me or, you know, and same thing if you're looking at, you know, your dating life. And then we think, And you spoke about this earlier, like kind of attending to the how instead of the who. And the how is like, how are these people in my life and why am I creating this? And there's something wrong with me versus I'm really curious why this is happening for me and like, where else is this showing up in my life? And how is this, how is this like a part of who I'm being, not from a judgmental place, but from a, I wonder why I think it's okay for people to be passive aggressive to me. I wonder why it feels safer for people to ghost me than it does to just go out and find those people who really like me for me. And it is, it is that curiosity and that 
digging into not a judgmental place of what's wrong with me, but more I I wonder why though I think it's okay for somebody to treat me that way. I think that that to me that's always been that's the heart of it, right? That's the heart of it. Why do I think it's okay for people to treat me like that? Well, as it turns out, it's always going to come down to your self worth, <laughs> like, right? right? You yourself. So, how you treat yourself will be a reflection of what you tolerate in relationships, and whether it's relationships and friendships, romance, romantic relationships. Um, and when you start to change your relationship with yourself, and you don't tolerate the way. You don't, you don't, you, you don't tolerate negative or really nasty self-talk. It's something that you kind of put your foot down with. You won't do it with other people. Um, but you, and if you're doing that from a place of self-love, the way you'll do it with other people is you'll just set loving boundaries. You won't be like, you can't treat me like this anymore. It's not like that energy. It's just like, Hey, I love you. And this isn't my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And don't tolerate nasty talk about yourself. I think that's such an amazing way of putting it and can be, I think, exceptionally useful for anybody listening. What if you just decided not to tolerate that nasty yeah. self-talk? Like it's just, it's no longer something you tolerate in your life from you. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I think when you not only when you meet that voice with love and kindness though, like I love you and no. Yes. Or I love you. And is there something that you're scared about and you want to talk to me? I think it's really important to separate. It's like you from yourself. (laughs) It's like there's you and then there's your brain that talks. And if you can have an interaction as if those are two different things and you can start to talk to your brain in a loving way, you will notice that underneath all of that nasty self-talk, underneath all of that fear is huge wisdom and insight. And so what I have found is that when you meet that voice with kindness, love, and understanding, and then that voice feels loved, heard, and understood and seen and accepted, that voice tends to start spitting out (laughs) like words of wisdom. Yeah. So what that can actually look like is your brain is like, oh my God, are you kidding? You're such a fucking delusional piece of shit. You might as well like just not even try again because clearly there's something wrong with you. And all of these coaches are absolute bullshit. This is what, this is what my brain used to do. (laughs) And then you're like, Hey, I hear you. And we can solve for this problem that you think is a problem, but we're not going to do it in this mean way. Yeah. And so if there is something that is important to you, that you're scared about, I'm going to listen to you Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hear what you have to say. And I'm going to hear what you're going to, you know, what you're scared about, but we're not going to do it in a mean way. So tell me what you're scared about. Mm -hmm. And then your brain will talk to you about all the fears and you're like, I get it. And then once you have this feeling that you feel like this part of your brain feels heard or understood or accepted, that's when you start asking it powerful questions like, is this stuff even really true? Or, hey, how is it possible that maybe we actually are worthy or maybe like the guy is actually out there? Why would that be the case? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden your brain, once it feels heard and underste- understood and seen from a place of love, but not tolerating it's like nasty behavior. It's like, it will be like, you know what? 
no, we're wrong about this. You can like, we're wrong about this guy. Like he clearly has some issues. This is not about you. And that will feel real to you in your body, not like an intellectual thing. Yes, that is, I think, the key. And, you know, speaking to what you sort of spoke about before, too, and that this is going to take a hundred repetitions. So it's it's recognizing the instinct is to be even just mad at ourselves for what we're thinking and what we're believing and to want to be authoritative with ourselves. But I mean, one thing that I pulled from the life coach school, many, obviously, but one of the things that I think was the most impactful for me that really sticks with me when I'm looking at myself and when I'm helping my clients is we just want to look at the results and go, is this the result I want? And then how do I change this result? And what you know, I hear you saying and what I've seen in my practice too is that if the result of self-hatred is more self-hatred, then we have to start changing the way that we do it. And having that loving compassion for that voice in that I understand where this is coming from and I really want to help you. And so let's figure this out together and find a way that's actually going to work. That's where you're going to start seeing the actual change. And then in your dating life or in any really area of your life where you're not receiving the result that you really want, it gives you that opportunity to start building up your relationship with yourself. You start actually liking yourself. You start being nice to yourself, which helps you trust yourself so that you can go out and create the relationships that you want. And then you have boundaries so that you don't have people coming in that are, you know, treating you like garbage. And it it really, it sounds like magic, but it's, that is the work. I mean, that is the work you do with your clients, right? Yeah. I, you know, I think everyone comes in who wants to work with me just at first is like, I just want to find the guy who wants me or, you know, who wants to choose me, who wants to build a life with me. And that's where I'm focused on. And a lot of people come out of it recognizing, oh, I still want that. Yeah. But I recognize I don't need it to cure what I'm feeling. Yeah. Which allows you to get it a lot easier too. Right. Because I'm sure a lot of your clients do end up in amazing relationships because then once you have that experience of yourself, then you can go out in the world and create it, which also is a big part of coaching as well. You know, how long do you normally work with your clients typically? What is the... Yeah. Six months. I find that I've honestly thought about like, you know, doing three months because I see so much huge transformation occur around the three month mark, because it takes like, it takes a a couple of months to get that going. Now I've seen clients have magical breakthroughs like in two weeks, but I really stick with six months because you want to integrate that new way of being into multiple areas of your life. You just, you, you want to learn it and apply it and then integrate it so you can embody it. Yeah. And I really think six months is a magical number. I I would agree with you. Yeah. I work with my clients generally for six months. And then a lot of times I will work with them up to a year, sometimes longer. Um, But I agree that three month mark hits where there's a 
corner that gets turned with respect to really starting to see yourself in a very different way. And you start having real success with that. You start being able to have the capacity to handle negative emotion. And when you do, you start feeling a lot more negative emotion um, or positive emotion, I should say as well. I mean, it just, it really does go hand in hand and starting to see that momentum. And then that following three months is when you start really building and creating the things that you want to have established in your life and really applying this in multiple ways. And the confidence just really builds in that. And then generally at the end of six months, you just have a lot more confidence. You're able to really take this and use it for yourself and have the confidence that you know how to do it. Yeah. And I think it's important to ride that wave that happens around the give or take three month mark, because you don't, I'd say like, if you cut out coaching at that point, it's like, we're kind of like cutting out the momentum of the wave. Um, And I have a lot of clients who, you know, they have, they, they build that self-confidence. And then at the end of the six months, they're like, well, let's go again because then coaching can get really fun Mm -hmm. because you're coaching in so many different areas and on different levels and on other things. And there's so many areas that you can coach in anyways. I mean, we're, we can both coach on pretty much anything. Um, But I think that's when you can really like things that you start to focus on that really matter, create other problems in your life, but they're like, they're problems that you want in your life. You know, maybe it's like a problem of I'm working on getting a promotion or now it's a problem of, all right, how do I flip this house that I bought or how it's, you know, I'm working, one of my clients who I've been working with a year on, she's like, all right, I'm getting back into this job. That's, it was very, very high paced. Like I always experience extremely stressful and she did. And like, she's really been going through it and completely shifted how she showed up in this position. Um, and I just, I think that's when coaching can get really fun. I agree. <laughs> I think of, I think of that Shania Twain song. What is it? Life's about to get good or something like that. And I, I think that that's kind of what happens is you're like, you have this ability to see possibility in a very different way. Um, which is so fun. And life gets life can be so good. I think anybody listening to this, if you're feeling stuck in your relationship and that you, you know, are having a hard time dating, you're obsessing about somebody that you know is bad for you, but you can't seem to to disconnect. It's just knowing that you don't even know how much is possible for you. And if you want to connect to that and you're in that situation, I mean, I would really recommend that you you connect with Sheila Nova. She really knows what she's doing. Um, she's really going to help you get to that place. And coaching, you know, obviously, I believe in it because that's how I transformed my life. I know that you believe in it as well. I think once it touches you, you can't help but see how incredible it can be if you hire I do think hire the right coach. So ultimately, you know, if you are really struggling with this specific thing, then you would be crazy not to to contact Sheila Nova. So tell me, tell us, where can people find you? How can they find out more about you? How can they work with you? Come visit me on Instagram. My handle is at Sheila Nova. And that's spelled S-H-E-I-L-A. N-O-V-A. Sheila Nova is my first name. It's all one word. Sheila Nova like supernova. Love it. Definitely go follow her on Instagram. I know you have a podcast coming. So exciting. When is that potentially going to be dropping? That's coming out 
at the end of March and the title is still to be determined, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be superpower your mind. Love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. I could literally talk to you all day. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Oh, it's so amazing. Okay, everyone. We will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, I am so glad that you are here. Are we friends on Instagram? Make sure you come find me at Fuck Your Disorder. And if you love this podcast, can you please do me a favor and leave me a rating and review? Every single one helps this podcast reach more women just like you.